Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 28 because I have a word uh, burning in my heart today on Easter Sunday. And it's going to be a little different than the traditional messages probably that you've heard on Easter, but it's going to definitely relate to the resurrection. Can I hear an amen? How many love Jesus? Come on, come on. Amen. Matthew 28, I want you to, to, let's start in verse 1. We're going to go probably to verse 7, maybe to verse 10. We'll see. But I want you to see, and I want you to get your Bibles out, and I want you to apply something this morning. I want you to hear me. Because this morning, I want you to know something very powerful. You know that Jesus is, writ- is risen, and you know what happened. Most, of the, most people know what happened on the cross. But most Christians are not applying the resurrection power in their everyday life. Because I'm here to tell you, Jesus' resurrection is your resurrection. I'm going to say that again. Jesus' resurrection is your personal resurrection of victory in every area of your life. There is no reason why Christians should remain with their head low and bound when we have a risen Savior. By the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, there is a, a resurrection needed in the body of Christ as well. And so Matthew 28, verse 1, says this. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Now I want you to see this from a prophetic edge this morning. They went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and and came, and watch this, rolled back the stone from the door. Everybody say, rolled back the stone. That was significant that it is in almost every gospel, the stone was removed from the grave, okay? And, and an angel sat on it, verse 3. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. He said, come and see the place where they lay. Look at verse 7. And go quickly and tell his disciples. Everybody say tell. Come on, say tell. Tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. Therefore, you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Two more verses. Verse 8. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy and ran to bring his disciples a word. Now, as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by his feet and worshipped him. Look at verse 10. Then Jesus said to them again, Do not be afraid. Look at this pattern. Go and tell my brethren, to go to Galilee, and there they, there they will see me. Can I hear an amen? Now, look up at me. This picture of the, of the resurrection, this was the first Easter story that was told by women. Glory to God. Come on, ladies in the house. It was told by two women. The first Easter story, it's funny, it, 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 that the Lord chooses to, to have women tell the Easter story because it, I could imagine if it was Thomas, he'd be like, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the, 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 the tomb was, there, was empty. Maybe it's not. I don't know. He was doubting Thomas. Maybe he was angry Peter, you know, like real stiff-necked Peter. He's like, look, look, man, the angel appeared to me. He said he's not there. That's it. Don't ask me any more questions, all right? 
But it was women that came to the tomb. But why am I saying this? Because prophetically, I want to see that there is a powerful discourse in the scripture that it could have been that the women were just told, listen to me, by an angel to believe by faith that Jesus is risen. And that could have been the Easter story. Or it could have been that Jesus would have revealed himself later and said, look, I'm risen. But that's not how the the Holy Spirit chose to say the first Easter story. The first Easter story, the resurrection story, was when they came to the tomb, they noticed, I'm going to preach myself happy this morning, that the stone was rolled away and was removed. In other words, they went to a place expecting death and expecting something dead, to be the dead body of Jesus to be there, and found the stone removed in an empty tomb. Now, why do I say that? Because if you understand prophetically what's going on here is that every one of us have a spiritual stone that has been removed. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus' resurrection is your resurrection. And if you hear from the eyes of the Spirit this morning through the Scripture, then you will have a parallel resurrection experience. A parallel resurrection experience is not only knowing in your intellect what Jesus did on the cross. Because most Christians know intellectually and even theologically what happened on the cross. But most are not experiencing the parallel dynamic of life and life more abundantly because of the resurrection. I'm here to tell you that there is a prophetic lesson to to be captured in this message because Jesus' resurrection provides us with victory in every area of our life. Why am I saying this? The resurrection of Jesus caused the stone to be removed or, or, or moved out of the way. I'm here to tell you this morning that the Lord has already removed the spiritual, emotional, and mental stone that's been in your life, that has been part of your Christianity, that's been part of your walk, but we are looking continually for things that are not there anymore. Hear me now. It was a time for this stone to be removed because Jesus was about to enter in, uh, sorry, about to release the greatest dispensation of grace that humanity has ever known. That's why the stone had to be removed. Not just because to show that Jesus was alive and not there. The stone symbolized the old calcified, the old law written on tablets of stone and entering into the new law of the Spirit. You say, the law of the Spirit? Yes. Haven't you read in, in Romans chapter 8 where Jesus, after the resurrection, says, Now, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, those who do not walk according to the flesh. That's another ch- uh, message for another time. It's possible to walk in condemnation as a Christian if you're walking according to the flesh. Who do not walk according to the flesh. Watch this. For the law... Of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So the law of the spirit is freedom that's given through resurrection. Without the death and the resurrection of the cross of Christ and without his resurrection, we can never walk in total freedom and victory. Someone, some little kid said amen. Glory to God. Out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> And so as we look at the stone that was rolled away 
and the surrounding empty tomb, we see, I want to give you three points, prophetic points this morning on the resurrected power of the Lord and how it relates to a parallel resurrection experience in your life. Because whether you know it or not, we all have stones in our heart that need to be rolled away. We all have stones in our mind that need to be rolled away. We all have stones in our emotions. I'm not talking about stones when you were in the world and got stoned. I'm talking about we got stones in our heart, in our emotions, that even as Christians is blocking the flow of God, the bitterness, the anger, the, the sin. And the Lord says, I want to remove the stone in the, in the area of your emotions that has been blocking my flow and my freedom and, and my justice and my, and my goodness in your life because I live, you live also. That's what Jesus said. Because I live, you live also. It is abnormal for a Christian to walk not free. It is abnormal for, for Christians to not live in resurrection power. So the first point I want to make when it comes to the stone being rolled away is this. The empty grave means an end to the old me. Oh, glory to God. I said the empty grave means an end to the old me. Now, maybe, maybe you say, well, well, I know that already. But are we living in the newness of life as Christians? Or are we still picking up habits for years that Jesus already died and crucified and rose again for? The, old, the empty grave, listen to me, means the end of the old me. I want you to hear this, and I want to break this little thing down so that you can have prophetic symbolism of what happened that day when they ran to the tomb. Number one, these women had come to anoint what remained. Listen to me. They came to anoint what was dead. And here's the problem that we see in the church is that we're trying, the church is trying to anoint things that God has deemed dead already. The church is continually trying to anoint that which God, on, for a purpose, deemed dead. Because it used to be a part of your life, and it was there for a purpose. and may no longer be there anymore, and God wants you to let it go because it served its purpose. And now you don't have to uh, try to anoint something that he's deemed dead in your life. Move on. Why, why do I say that? Because there is no longer a purpose for the new thing. Only when you realize that there is no longer a, a something that, that once was part of your life, whether it's bad or whether it's good, that it was on purpose that may, is no longer there. Do you think God bumped his head and forgot about the things that, that brought you there? Do you think that God bumped his head? Even the pain, God wants you to say, it's empty. you got to make sure that when they come for you, the enemy comes for you and tries to place that old thing on you, that they find it empty of you. That there'll be nothing in you. That's why Jesus said, the tempter of this world has come and has found nothing in me. Empty tomb. I want to say this to you. Because this is a prophetic symbolism of these women coming. Now, now here's, a, here's the odd thing. Not only were they anointing, the, they were going to anoint something that was dead. And they didn't realize that Jesus always told them while he was alive that they, he had to die and he had to resurrect. But yet they were still wanting to anoint something that was dead. Watch this. Not only were they going to anoint the dead body of Jesus, but back in old, the old days, in medical terms even now, they call it nursing wounds or dressing wounds. 
So they came to anoint, to anoint, to dress, and to nurse the wounds of Jesus, not knowing that he told them, I'm not going to be there. And the church is, has done the same thing throughout our Christian lives. God has resurrected us from the past, from sin, and from pain, and from wounds, and we keep trying to nurse and dress old wounds. We keep trying to dress the old wounds of our past or even in our Christian life. And God says, the stone is rolled away in your heart. I carried the cost of your freedom in my body so that you will not have to have it anymore. Stop addressing old wounds. The resurrection power of God wants you to activate the power of God so that you won't have those. Listen, let me say this. God doesn't just want to heal your heart. He wants to give you a new one. The psalmist didn't say, heal my bro broken heart. He said, create in me a clean heart. Now, is there healing in a broken heart? Yes, you know that. But what I'm trying to say is stop limiting God to keep bandaging things over and over and over again and finally take the resurrection power of God and say it is once and for all. He paid it. I forgive. I move forward. And I'm not going to address the old wounds anymore because I am a new creation in Christ. The revelation of the resurrection means the end of the old you. If you are still doing old you in the new you, you're not the new you. He wants to dress you with other things. He wants to dress you with righteousness. He's clothed you with righteousness, with his righteousness. We as Christians need to walk in resurrection. What if every Christian walked in the resurrected power of God everywhere we went? That we actually knew that every part of our past and future and present was already done with. All we have to do is receive it. What power will we walk in? If we realize that the resurrection is in us. Come on, say amen. Not only did they anoint it, not only did they try to dress it, but they also prepared, if you do study, they prepared spices to try to make something dead smell nice. Don't make me preach right now. I know it's Resurrection Sunday, but I feel happy right now. Because the church is famous for trying to anoint things and dress old wounds, but also trying to make something that's already done with smell good. You, no matter how good you try to perform, you can't make dead things smell better. That means whatever happened in the past, try, stop trying to dress it up with good works to try to compensate for that thing. No, God says, it's done. I forgive you. It's over. Move forward. The resurrection power of God says you don't have to dress old wounds because you are new. Appropriate the new now. Stop trying to hinge over the old. Isn't it... Uh, I know this sounds kind of disgusting, but what 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 will we feel if we try to go to a gravesite and visit one of our family members that's dead and try to hug the casket? You're like, oh, you know what? God feels the same way when we're trying to entertain something that he's deemed dead in our life. He's deemed sin dead in your life. He's deemed condemnation and shame dead in your life. He's there's an empty tomb. You say, well, Pastor George, I still struggle with that. That does not mean that he is limited in his powers, that we haven't, resurre we haven't resurrected in that area. 
But he provided the resurrection in every area. What we got to do is find out how these other things start creeping in to the, to the tomb of our hearts when the door has been opened by the Holy Spirit. You have to realize you and I determine what allows in our heart. I have news for you. It's not God's job to guard your heart. It's your job to guard your heart. Book and prophecy say, the Lord will guard my heart and, because it's the flow of life. No, he goes, no, you guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. So the new aroma is going to come through the new presence of God. And so I want you to look at John 20. This is something interesting. Are you getting something this morning? John chapter 20, verse 4. The Lord wants you to appropriate the resurrected power of God. And listen, leave your past in your past. Today is an end to the old you. I declare it. Your old way of thinking. Come on, somebody. Your old, way, your, your old patterns, your old habits, your old going back to your old ways. No. Appropriate the living Christ inside of you, and you will not desire that old life. If you, I wonder what it felt like to, to have a dead body be energized by the power of the Holy Spirit and come alive again. You won't desire to be dead again. I said, you won't desire dead things again. And this is the key here. So watch this. John chapter 20, verse 4. Look at what the, look, another version of the gospel of the, of the, of the Easter scene. But I want to give you a little bit more of a, pre, of a preacher's angle to it. Watch this. So they both ran together, and the other disciple, that's John, the beloved, outran Peter and came to the tomb first. I have a message on that, that line alone. Lovers will always outrun workers. Anyways, let me just go on and uh, let me go and preach a little bit here. <laughs> Verse 5. And he stooping down and looking in, watch this, saw linen cloths lying there. Oh. Yet he did not go in. Peter saw the cloth that was symbolizing of death that was not no longer on Jesus. It was just laying there. He didn't go in. Watch this. Then Simon Peter came following him. That's John, sorry. Uh, following him. And then... And, and went into the tomb, and he also saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, oh my gosh, but folded together in a nice place. They saw an empty tomb, and there was no longer there. You know what the linen cloths, look at me, represent the last thing that man placed on Jesus. The last thing that humanity placed on Jesus, you see that even in the resurrection, the last thing that the, 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 the humanity tried to place on Jesus, when he resurrected, he didn't have it with him anymore. He had it folded in a place nice and neat. I'm here to tell you, the, the last thing that the enemy put on you, pack it up, fold it up, and put it away. The last thing that man tried to place on you, that tried to hinder you from your walk with God, pack it up, fold it up, and put it away. Don't look at it anymore because it's going to hinder or slow down your walk with God. Whatever they said to you, whatever they said about you, oh, come on. Whatever that person said that hurt you, fold it up and put it away. Whatever they did to you in your childhood, fold it up and put it away. Whatever man placed on you, fold it up and put it away. Whatever the enemy has tried to place on you, that tag of shame, fold it up and put it away because you're no longer in the grave. You say, no, no, no. You say, listen, uh, uh, watch, watch this. We die with Jesus, but we also resurrect with Jesus. You say, what do you mean you die with Jesus? I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and I live for the Son of God who loved me and died for me. If Listen, buried with him in baptism and raised up in new life. 
That's why baptism is a symbolism of the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's why baptisms are something that we're going to do more. Why? Because it's an ongoing testimony that we are alive. Listen, there's a difference between existence and life. Come on, Kevin, don't make me preach, bro. That, listen, this, this is existing, but it's not alive. Jesus didn't say, I come to give you existence and existence more abundantly. He says, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. This is not alive. It exists. I better. <laughs> it was shaking. This is, this is not alive. It exists. But you're alive. And the spirit of God is in you. He is trying to get you to resurrect what has already been inside of you. There is a nuclear atomic bomb living inside of you. The, the, the brightness of a million suns is living inside of you. And yet we walk defeated. We walk low. We walk angry. We walk bitter. We walk dejected. And we walk without victory. If Jesus did not resurrect, then I could say that that would be a problem. That would be normal. But we can't say that because the one who conquered death. Listen, we don't have the tools to be more than a conqueror. We are more than a conqueror. <laughs> he didn't say, I'm going to give you an axe and a shield and a sword. Now you're more than a conqueror. He goes, no, you're more than a conqueror because the one who conquered death lives inside of you. He says, you, that, in other words, that is your identity. That's who you are. You, listen, you are. The word A-R-E is an identity word. It doesn't mean you have to do things to get it. You are more than a conqueror. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. He's clothed you with his righteousness. Now watch this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to share something really good. Now going back to that, bureau, that, that, that death thing. What others and the, and the enemy placed on you, you have to let it go. But, everybody say but, there's a purpose for death. Because everyone wants a resurrection without going through a death process. And you can't have resurrection without dying. The things that the enemy placed on you, the things that man has placed on you, you know what it was for? It was for a purpose. It was for your burial of your fleshly nature. Jesus was sitting in a house, and a, a woman came with an alabaster box and poured this one year of, of, of some, some theologians say it was one year's worth of wages. Could you imagine? One year's worth of wages spilled all over Jesus. And they tried to, they were looking at him like, oh, that could have been given to the poor. What a religious answer. Oh, we, we, could, have gone, we could have gone fed the poor on that. This is Jesus sitting right here. You know what Jesus said? Are you ready for this? Leave her alone. It's necessary. She's doing this for my burial. The things that you've gone through, the things that the enemy has placed on you was actually on purpose for a purpose so that you could die to your flesh. Watch this. Everyone is scared of death. But all death really is is a portal from one dimension to the next. I'm going to come down here and preach a little bit here. All death really is, everyone is scared of death. Oh, death, death. If you're born again this morning, all death really is, is a portal from one dimension to the next. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To live is Christ. 
to die is gain. Death gets you to the next dimension. Everyone wants to go to the next dimension, but no one wants to go through the portal. And the portal is a necessary death to your flesh. And sometimes because we're so stubborn, God allows the handkerchiefs to come on you, the linen to be placed on you the things that happen to you on purpose so that we can humble ourselves and say, I can't do this in my flesh anymore. I need to crucify my pride. I need to crucify my bad attitude. Come on. I need to crucify my anger and my, and my bitterness and my crankiness. And God says, if you don't do it my way, I'm going to do it the other way. I'm going to allow people to touch you so that you could crucify your flesh. I want to go to the next level. I want to go to the next level. We're going to go to the next level. We're going to go to the, how many want to go to the next dimension? Die. Because you can't have resurrection without death. And some of us are still alive and kicking with our old nature, and God wants to kill that thing. <laughs> he wants us to die so that we can live. I, listen, you know what Paul says? I die daily. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes the way that I die is when the Lord allows things to come to my life that hurt me emotionally. And the Lord says, it's because there's things in you that I'm trying to kill. There's, it, there's things in you. And so then I have a, a relational conflict with somebody, and it hurts, and it stings. And, but guess what happens? I become more humble. Come on, you ain't preaching at me. And, and, and I become more, more gentle. And a lot of times, people that used to know me in the past said, man, PG, he, he's softer than when he was a youth pastor. No, I just got crucified a lot. <laughs> I used to just, bah, bah, what? You're not, you're not here with the Bible? Go back home. Go back home. And after a while, after I kept dealing with people like that, the people stung back. Bees will sting back at you. But you know what? I thank God for that. I thank God for tribulations. That's why Paul said, I thank God for these things. Why? Because it's crucifying my flesh. Because God is after one thing. He wants to have an empty tomb in your heart with nothing blocking. He's after the resurrection power in you. So watch this. He not, he's not going to use an angel to do that to you. He's going to use his spirit and he's going to use people to get us to crucify our flesh. So there's two ways to, hum, to, to be humbled. Either you let God humble you. Or you humble yourself. I'd rather humble myself. Because when God humbles you, it's for a purpose, but it kind of hurts. Come on, say amen. Make sure when they come to find the old you, that they find the place empty of you. Point number two. I'm preaching myself happy this morning. We, because of the resurrection, we can't stay silent. I want you to remember the first couple of verses that it said, the first verse it says, go tell my brethren, go tell the disciples, go tell. Right after the resurrection, there was a go tell two times in three verses by Jesus himself and by the angel. Go tell, go tell, go tell, go tell. It's time if you've ever experienced the life of Christ, I tell you, you no one has to force you to talk about the resurrection power of God and your freedom. You will do it automatically because of the old over bubbling joy of your newfound freedom. Listen, evangelism is not about getting people to get you to look at scripture to, to make you believe that it's necessary. It, true evangelism is that you're so flowing with gratitude that you can't shut up. 
Listen, anyone who's ever had an encounter with the risen Christ would not be able to stay quiet. What has happened when the church of America that for so much and for so long we've been quiet about our faith and we no longer share Jesus with others? Is the life of God truly bubbling in our heart every day or is it just once a year? Or is it just when we hear a good sermon? We can't stay silent. We, listen, our ability, watch this. Why, why can't we stay silent? Look at me. Because our entire Christian faith, our preaching, our programs, our, our evangelism, our worship, all is contingent about the death and resurrection of Christ. The Bible says if there is no resurrection, our preaching is in vain. Everything we do is foolishness. Look at 1 Corinthians. Just, 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 just look, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the whole entire Christian faith is linked to Jesus' resurrection. This one moment in history defined our existence as Christians. Look at this. Look at what, what Paul says, because there were some in those days that were saying, oh, there's no resurrection. So Paul's answering those people that said there's no resurrection. He said, if, the, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there's no resurrection from the dead? Keep going. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not risen. Watch this. And if Christ has not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is empty. Everything that we're doing is empty. Look at verse 17. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. That's gangster. If Christ is not risen, like some say he's not, or that was just a fib or just a fable, then you and I are still in our sins. As a matter of fact, in another gospel, if you read it, if you read it, that they were so scared in that same uh, scripture in Matthew that the, that the guards and the magistrates and the rulers said, just say that the story is that someone, his disciples took his body and they removed it. And the Bible says that story was the story from that day forward. Till now. So they believe that story. So go tell. Everybody say, go tell. Once you're a witness to the fact that old things are passed away and that your tomb is empty in your heart, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. it reminds me of an old song. Talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. You guys are too young for that. Some of you guys. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't delay because you don't feel anything. Talk about it. Don't park, your, don't park yourself in your past success. Talk about it. Don't park in how you feel right now. Talk about the resurrected Christ. Here's what I'm going to challenge you. Every person in the New Testament who got encountered with God did not, was not able to stay silent, even in the midst of persecution. I wonder what happens if God would zap us again with an urgency of his life living inside of us, and we have a bunch of motor mouths coming from the church. We need that type of motor mouth. We need a type of person that is so filled with the reality of the resurrection power of God that evangelism is not something that you have to twist people's arm. It will come automatically. I want to prove it to you. Look at the Acts. Look at that scripture in Acts. In Acts chapter 4 verse 17. I would like the worship team to come up please. The, the worship team to come up. Oh, this is good stuff. Are you getting something this morning? Acts 4 verse 17 in the NLT. In the NLT. Look at this. Watch this. Now, they're, 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 the, 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 the rulers of that day said, let's do something to the disciples. Watch this. Have you ever, I'm going I'm to share something with you that's going to be an ouch moment. Sometimes you think you're free or you're on fire until someone sends someone next to you, uh, to you that's more on fire and exposes your lack of fire. 
Sometimes we think we're free, and then we, God sends us someone that's more freer than us, and the way that they think, the way they talk, and you're like, man, I still have some areas in my life. You know what God is doing? God, sometimes people that are religious, and they don't mean to be, but they're religious in nature, saying, why is he always shouting? Why are they always saying, oh, that's just zeal. Oh, that, don't worry that when you grow up, that's going to all go away. Don't worry. No, when you grow up, no. It's because they are so filled with God that maybe he's exposing your lack of faith or your lack of life that you are, that you once had. Remember how you used to talk about Jesus when you first met Jesus? You, you would talk to, you didn't even know any scripture. You're like, man, I don't know what it is, but it's just Jesus. Jesus just came into my life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And you talk about Jesus and you would cry and it was beautiful. And now you've grown and matured and you no longer talk about Jesus because you blame it on maturity. And it's not maturity. It's sometimes we've stopped realizing his resurrection power in us. Watch this but to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further. This is some of the, by the way, it was religious people who were doing that. Let me pause and say, it's always the religious people that try to shut up the zealous people. I've never heard hardly, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's some, but the worldly people were like, oh, that just guy, he's crazy, let him, let him keep doing it. But it's the religious people like, see, he's trying to be, just, he's trying to be, she's trying to be all spiritual. You watch when, five years later, she's, he's going to come down, calm down just like me. No, I don't want to calm down. I said, I don't want to calm down. Call me what you want. We have to keep coming in a newness. We have to keep being a child all the time. But to keep them from spreading the propaganda, we must warn them not to speak. Watch. Speak in Jesus' name. Again. Verse 18. So they called the apostles back and commanding them never to, notice what they didn't say. They didn't say don't hold church services anymore. They didn't say that. They didn't say don't do outreach, don't do events. They're like, we don't care if you do events, just don't speak Jesus. Oh, I'm preaching good because there's some people that do events that never mention Jesus. The, the devil don't mind you doing events. Man, you don't mind meeting. Just don't say Jesus. That's all we want. Don't say the name of Jesus. Keep having your events. Keep having your games. Keep having your fellowship activities. Just don't proclaim Jesus to the city. Don't proclaim Jesus to the people. So they said, we're going to teach them not to never say anything to, about Jesus again. Watch. Watch. Look at verse 19. Watch this. But Peter, oh, God. Let us get this. Peter said, do you think God wants to obey you rather than him? Now watch this. We cannot stop talking about everything we have seen and heard. Wait, 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 wait. We can't stop telling everyone what we have seen and heard. What's the common denominator? You can't talk if you haven't seen. You can't talk if you haven't heard. You can't talk if you haven't experienced him. You can't talk like that if you haven't truly had an encounter with God in an ongoing, on an ongoing uh, way. If you are stale in your Christianity, then you won't talk, baby. You may still love the Lord, and you may still attend to church, but if you haven't seen or heard him on a daily basis, then you'll stop talking about him. We cannot stop telling everyone what we've seen, we've heard, and we've touched. You could, in other words, our experience with the risen Christ is greater than anything you could do to me. Go ahead and put me up in a cage. Go ahead and whip me up. Go ahead and chop my head off. I'm going to still talk about him. Resurrection not only means stopping old wounds and making sure that your tomb of your heart is empty, but it's also talking about the risen Savior. It does something to you. You know the first scripture that I ever learned? Or first, it was my, uh, uh, 
Josh, Josh Bratt, and I love Judy and, and Keith. I don't want to put them on the spot. I love them dearly. Josh Bratt, their son, when I was a, a, a high schooler, I don't know if you guys know this, but he sent me a, a little Bible, and he, put, and he put a circle around Matthew 10, 32. And, he, and you know what? I, that's the first, as a worldly person, the first scripture that I ever learned. You know what Matthew 10, 32, it was, it was not on there. It says, Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. He says, but if you deny me before people, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Boy, that struck the fear of the Lord in me. And a couple months later, I gave my life to the Lord. And I realized, can I just be, can I be real as your pastor? Why are we silent? We're more concerned about someone's opinion that we don't know about us than the risen Savior's opinion about us. We're more concerned about the clerk at 7-Eleven calling us a religious fanatic that doesn't even know us than wounding Jesus for not speaking. Ask yourself this. Watch this. I'm almost closing. Ask yourself this. This. Why am I no longer speaking about Jesus? Only you can answer that. Is it because you haven't seen and heard on a daily basis like you used to? Is it because you haven't been in the Word like you used to? Is it because you haven't spent time in His presence like you used to? And you're just going through the motions? Because I guarantee you, my friends, if you're daily meeting with Him, there will be an explosion in you. Want to come out and talk about this beautiful man. Hallelujah. And lastly, third point is this. And I'm closing. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brought the promise of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Even the dispensation of the Holy Spirit living inside humanity could not be possible without the death and resurrection of Jesus. So that means the resurrection was so important not only to bring us new life, but the death and resurrection had to happen for the glorious new reality of the person of the Holy Spirit living inside of every person. I said this before, but I'll say it again. The Old Testament, the Holy Spirit walked with man. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit lives in man. I don't know about you, but if I had a choice to have the powers of Superman or be Superman, it's a no-brainer. I don't want the powers of Superman. I want to be Superman. Let me tell you, you're God's original superheroes because you have the Holy Spirit power inside of you. Now watch this. John 20. I'm closing this. John chapter 20. Put, look it up on the screen. Then we're going to pray, and we're going to get delivered from stuff. And we're going to make sure our tomb is empty from those old band wounds that we're trying to bandage up. That old thing that we're trying to re-anoint. Come on, somebody. And we're going to, hopefully, we're going to have a re-energized this morning. You know what, you know what we're going to have this morning by faith? You're not going to see it, but it's going to happen in your heart. We're having a, 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 we're having a funeral service. We're having a funeral service of the old you, and the new you is going to want on your rise today. That Sunday... Everybody say it's Sunday. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them and said, Peace be with you, he said. He spoke. Now remember, when is this happening? Everyone look at me. This is after he resurrected. He's appearing. After. Say after. Say after. Say after. This is important to know. He appears to them with his wounds on his, on his hands still on his feet to show that he's a risen Christ. 
He showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Watch this. And again, he said, Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Watch this. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. You know what that was? Salvation right there. That was a regeneration of their spirit. You say, wait, wait, wait. The Holy Spirit had not been poured out yet. It wasn't the day of Pentecost, I know. The day of Pentecost was later when the Holy Spirit came upon them for service. But this is the Holy Spirit coming in them. For the first time, after the resurrection, he goes, I've been waiting for such a time as this because I'm going to give you a power that you were not able to walk with when, even you were, when you were, 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 were walking with me. And even the Old Testament, the Bible says it was a tutor, a tutor to tell people we need something else. The Holy Spirit, watch this, was breathed inside of the disciples and every person that repents for the Lord. And, and, and ask the Lord to be their life, the, the, the Lord in their life. Watch this. Look, look, man, I'm almost closing right now. The same power, not a different power, not a similar power, not, the, not, not a, a synonymous power, the same power that went into that tomb over 2,000 years ago, and the earth shook, and the, and, and the, and, and the earthquake came, and the, and the graves were opened, and the stones were rolled away. That same power that entered the grave and resurrected Jesus is the same spirit living in you and I. Not a different one. We don't have a baby Holy Spirit. We don't have a brother Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit. Watch this. That gives you victory over sin over bondage, over death, over everything that the enemy has put in your life. Look at the last verse and then we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to resurrect some things. How many, God, how many want God to resurrect some things in your life? Come on. How many want to talk about him a little more? Come on. How many know that there's wounds that you've been nursing that God says is empty? God says today we're going to address those wounds and we're going to have resurrection power. Some of you have wounds in your marriage. God says, I give you permission to hit the erase button and the delete button because my resurrection gives you healing now. That's, listen, that's why those who are still under the control of their sin. I don't think that's the right verse. Let me just make sure. Yes, Romans 8, verse 8, my bad. NLT, look at this. Those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Watch this. This is the last verse. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Oh, that someone should shout. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made new. Keep going to verse 13. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, are you ready for this? Lives in you. Say the Spirit of God that raised Jesus lives in me. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. I just can't help myself. Yes, you could. You're under no obligation to do what your sinful nature tells you to do because you have one greater than the one that's living inside, uh, outside of the world. He says, you will live. Come on, I want everyone to stand up right now. You will live. Your marriage will live. 
your, your, your sickness will be healed. The empty tomb is still empty this morning. And the Lord wants to roll away the stone of your heart and mind that has blocked the blessings of God, the life of God. Listen, the hurt, the handkerchiefs, and the linen that the enemy has placed on you, he wants you to pack it up and fold it up and put it away. Come on, I want you to lift up your hands right now. God is going to resurrect something this morning. To some of you, it's your marriage. To some of you, is sickness going to be gone. To some of you, is you're going to talk about Jesus more. And you're going to spend time with him. And you're going to say to yourself, my God, why haven't I spoken more about Jesus? Maybe you haven't seen. Maybe you haven't heard on a daily basis. Come on. I want you to lift up your hands right now. And we're going to get ready to, to resurrect some things this morning. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.